Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, I love Mother's Day. I love the gifts. I mean, who doesn't like the gifts? Hey, Jean, the gifts are great. I love the hugs and the kisses. I love the breakfast in beds. I love the handmade cards. I'm a notorious chucker, so I throw things all the time. When when the kids came home from kindy with their made stuff and... I made the mistake of one of them, their job was to do the recycling. So they'd be going to take the recycling out and they'd look and go, but that's my thing I made you. And I'd be like, yeah, but the, here's what happens. You put it in the recycling and when you go back to kindy and you pull, that's the recycling. That's, it's just doing its journey, making its way back. But what I uh, have done is I've kept many of the um, Mother's Day cards that the kids have made me over the years. I've got a box that I put them all in. And I've got a special one this morning that I want to be able to read to you. Would you like to hear the uh, Mother's Day card that I got this morning? Some of you. What about the rest? Would you like to hear my Mother's Day card? Awesome. It went something like this. I was going to buy a card with hearts of pink and red, but then I thought I'd rather spend the money instead. It's awfully hard to buy things when one's allowance is so small. So I guess you're plenty lucky I got you anything at all. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. There, I've said it now, I'm done. So how about getting out of bed and fixing breakfast for your son? (laughs) Now, before you think any less of my son... That's a joke. He didn't give me that card. I saw that on the internet and I loved it. So I thought I've got to share it with you. So please put the knives down. Mitchie did not give me that card. I do, however, have a sneaking suspicion if he'd seen it and had an allowance, he may have come my way, but it wasn't wasn't the card that I received. But it's just a picture of how I think we should approach Mother's Day. Mother's Day should be fun, should be enjoyed. We should honour all our mums and give them opportunity just to feel loved and to feel special. So we just want to encourage you. Mum, when we finish in here today, we have a small gift as you make your way out. We would love you to take that. We have some gentlemen who have, it's not pink champagne, it is actually pink lemonade in a nice champagne glass and there's some donuts and there's some macarons for all our mums and we've got that beautiful photo wall so we want to encourage you, hang around this morning when we finish in here, grab your family together, get your photos taken, just enjoy one another's company and enjoy the privilege that it is uh, to be a mum and I just also would like to take the opportunity to thank our team who have worked hard this week in the last couple of weeks and putting it all together. A lot of them themselves actually mums. So the little gift you get, it didn't just make itself. We had a team of mums working hard to put that together. So can we just put our hands together and thank our mums and the team that have done that for us this morning. But you know what? It would be a miss of me to to not think, and I know that Tony has already alluded to it this morning, But I know that Mother's Day is not always a pleasant day for many of us. I know that whether this is your first Mother's Day or your fifth Mother's Day or your 10th or 20th Mother's Day, since your own mum has passed away, Mother's Day can bring up all sorts of painful memories. It can bring uh, back just hurtful conversations. It can just bring back emotions that you just would rather not have to experience. So it could be the fact that your mum has passed on. It could be the fact that you're here this morning and you're single. 
and you just haven't had the opportunity to meet the right person and motherhood and relate. You just don't have uh, someone to share Mother's Day with or perhaps you are married, but your struggle has been one of infertility. It's been year after year after year of struggling to conceive. And every time Mother's Day comes around, there's a stab in the heart because it's a reminder of what you don't have. Or perhaps you're here and there's estrangement in your relationship. Either your kids are distant from you, they've estranged or something's uh, happened in any form of relationship. So when it comes to Mother's Day or other celebrations, Christmas, things like that, there's always, while you're wanting to rejoice and you're wanting to be happy, it's, it's painful because of what you're experiencing. And, and maybe you're here and you're just downright angry. You've been the person that should have nurtured you, the person that should have loved you and cared and provided for you was a disappointment. And at their hand, you've been hurt and you carry an offence and you've been um, just put off by that. And I just want to say right from the outset that I'm so sorry that that is your experience. I'm so sorry that you have to walk through that. I want you to know that that is not the heart of a loving God that we serve. It's not what He would want for you. But I also want to say, not only am I so sorry you're experiencing that, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. I'm so glad that you found the courage to be able to place yourself in an environment of people who love you and people who care for you and people who can help you to do that. And it was, um, I was often thinking about the fact that life happens to us and things happen to us that are just completely out of our control. You, if your infertility, if that's your... Um, struggle this morning, your sickness, your singleness, the estrangement, sometimes those things come and they're out of your control. And I wanted to share a message this morning entitled, Controlling the Things You Can When Things Are Out of Control. And we're in good company this morning because the Bible is full of accounts of men and women who were given or dealt hands that they didn't expect. They had an expectation and desire of a a preferred future and they found themselves in a situation that wasn't what they thought it would be. And um, I want to look, because it is Mother's Day, I want to look at a woman in the Bible by the name of Hannah. And I want to see how she conducted herself in a situation that wasn't of her choosing. It wasn't what she, I believe, would have set out and desired to be and to do. But I believe that there's some things that we can learn from her life that all of us can apply so that when things that are out of our control happen to us, we can actually survive and not, uh, we can thrive and not just survive. So I want to look at five things that you and I can control every day. So whether you're feeling like it's out of control, whether you're feeling like life is on top of you, there are five things I believe from this story that we can learn that we can all have control over. So I'm going to ask if you would please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and we're going to read verses 1 to 20. Now if you don't have a Bible with you or an iPad or iPhone with it, it will be up behind me on the screen. So 1 Samuel chapter 1 starting at verse 1. It says, There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives first mistake. One was called Hannah and the other Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. 
Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penaniah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you would only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before Elkanah made Sorry, early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. I opened by saying, sometimes life happens things that are out of our control. But I believe there are some things when life is out of control that we still have control over. And when we look at Hannah's story, we can't just read it as in, yep, 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 yep. We've got to place ourselves in her situation. Here's a woman, just yesterday, we watched Dan and Ashari get married. We watched Ashari walk down the aisle. She had a beautiful white dress. She had big sparkly eyes. She's staring at the man of her dreams. They've said their vows. They've got married. They're going off to their ever after. And I'm sure that Ashari didn't walk down that aisle thinking, Um, of all the things she's worrying about. She's just thinking what my plan is, what my future is, what my uh, kids my house is going to look like, how many kids I'm going to have. And I believe it's the same here for Hannah. When Hannah got married, she had dreams. She had desires. She's thinking, this is, I'm going to have children with this man. We're going to grow old together. All these things are going to happen. And yet the Scripture tells us that God shut her womb and not only was she childless, but she had a rival who made it their job to provoke and irritate her. Here's a woman, year after year after year after year, has every time she's thinking, maybe it's this month, maybe it's this month, maybe it's this month, and it's not, and it's not, 
And it's not, and as if that's not hard enough, there's a woman living in her house who's sharing her husband's um, love and she's provoking. And what you've got to understand is in those days, children were like a status symbol. And so the more children you had, the more successful you were, the more you thought of. It's like how a woman, in, in a sense, gained uh, prominence. And so the more children you had, the better off you were. So here's this woman who just in the cry of her own heart would love to have a child and wasn't having it, but her rival was continuing on, continuing on. And what I see in this story about Hannah's life is I see the thing that Hannah could have control over was that she was pleasant. And you might say, well, how do you get that? I'll tell you how you get that. If you find yourself in a situation where people are on you and nagging you and nagging you, surely there's something in you that just says, that's it, I'm done, I've had enough. And yet what I read to you, the Scripture says that every time he came to have dinner together after the feast, it says that Elkanah gave Hannah a double portion. To Penaniah and her sons and daughters, he gave a certain amount. But when it came to, here's, I'm dishing up dinner now for my wife. He gives her a double portion. He's saying to her, aren't I enough? Aren't I better than 10 sons? Here's a man who's saying he gets status by how many children he has. He has one wife who is unable to provide and yet he loves her extravagantly. He's, seeing, he's giving her double portion. He's saying, but I'm better than 10 sons. And I have to say, you know what? If life had got on top of her and she'd let that get inside her, I don't think she would have been pleasant. And I shared in the chapel service that there's a scripture, and I looked it up in the break, in Proverbs 21 that says, I would rather live on the corner of a house, on the corner of a roof, than in a house with a quarrelsome wife. Here's a man who is saying, there's, there's nothing about Hannah that has obviously gotten into her spirit, that has made her feel sorry for herself, that she's um, taking it out on the other lady and on her kids or on her husband. He's a woman who is pleasant despite the circumstance she finds her in. Despite what's going on in her world, she's found enough to know, you know what? I know my husband loves me. I know God loves me. And I'm not going to let this disappointment, I'm not going to let this circumstance and situation rob me of being a pleasant person, rob me of being the person that God has designed and created me to be. And um, I was just thinking, for those of you who may not know, it was 12 months ago today that I stood up here on um, Mother's Day last year and let you know that my husband, Tony, had been sick and right as we were speaking was going into surgery. He had been diagnosed with a blood infection. He'd spend a week in hospital and then the night before Mother's Day, they decided that they needed to operate on Mother's Day. We came to church. I did the chapel service. We prayed for him as they were wheeling him down to surgery. And then by the time we got to this service, we uh, let you know, hey, we're still praying for him. They haven't taken him yet. Now the brain doctors have got involved and the brain doctors are fighting with the spinal doctors because they were like, you know, let's toss a coin and see who gets the first opportunity to cut this guy open. Then the heart guys are in there saying, well, we want um, we want a bit of an action here too. You know, don't leave us out. And you know what? We just... We, we spent three weeks in hospital with Tony undergoing the treatment that he needed. And I don't know if anyone here has been to the Royal Adelaide Hospital. It's such a good hospital that they're knocking it down and building another one. 
And um, the problem is, and that's not a job, that's not a jab at hospitals. Hospitals, they're doing the best with what they can. Nursing staff are stressed. They're taxed. They're working really hard. And, you know, they're dealing with all sorts of patients. And in, Tony, in the room next to Tony was a man by the name of Grenfell. Now, I never met Grenfell, but I know his name. And the reason I know his name was because he wasn't a pleasant man. We could hear him yelling at the nurses all the time. He would be yelling at them. He would be abusing them. You could hear him throwing things. And every time the nurses would leave Grenfell's room and come into Tony's room, you could see that they were harassed. They were stressed. They, they were just like, I, you know, this guy's like, oh, you're trying to kill me. And I'm pretty sure under their breath, they were like, yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> and every time they came into our room, Tony was like, I just want to say thank you for looking after me. Again, a man who's just in, is in pain as well, but just saying, you know what, I've I got an opportunity here to be pleasant. I mean, Grenfell was so non-pleasant that one day, I think with one of his walkers, he took a tumble and his walker went, you heard this almighty crash and I heard groaning and whatever. Do you know what? I never heard a nurse run. I got to the point, I thought, do I need to go and check if Grenfell's all right? Because, <laughs> no, you know what? It's just the fact that Grenfell had let life get on top of him. All of us have situations and circumstances that aren't of our choosing. All of us have circumstances and situations that are out of our control. But what is in control is how we respond to that. And what I love about Hannah is she was pleasant. I know she was pleasant because, excuse me, Elkanah says, but aren't I worth more than you than ten sons? I, his love for her was extravagant. His love for her was deep. She was not a complainer. She, he was saying, I want to live in the house with you. I don't want to be living on the roof. I want to be in the house with you. And so whatever is happening for you this morning, whatever circumstance and situation you find yourself in this morning, I want to encourage you. You've got control over your pleasantness. You have a choice. You can let this thing rob you. You can let your circumstances taint you. You can grab an attitude and, and a justification just like Grenfell. Or you can say, you know what, I want to be like Hannah. I've got control over being pleasant. So what can you control when things are out of control? You can be pleasant. The second thing you can be is be persistent. It says in verse 3, Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. What I love about this is Hannah never gave up. It says year after year she went. What it doesn't tell you and what the historians tell us is it's three times a year they would go to the house of Shiloh and then they did it year after year after year. Now, we don't know how long that was, but we do know that Penaniah had many sons and daughters. So we know it's not just a week. We know it's not just one year. It's not two, you're probably talking 10 to 15 years of going year after year, year after year, disappointment, year after year, expectation not being fulfilled. But yet year after year, Hannah finding herself in the house of God saying, Lord, won't you please grant me my request? And I don't know about you, but when the sun went down last night and I was looking for something in my bedroom, I had to turn the light switch on. And I'm grateful for lights. Are you grateful for lights here this morning? Do you know that history records Thomas Edison perfected the light bulb, not on his first attempt, not on his 100th attempt, 
not even on his thousandth attempt. Thomas Edison perfected the light bulb on his 10,000 attempt. And I'm telling you, at six o'clock last night, when I turned the light switch on to look for something in my wardrobe, I was grateful that Thomas Edison didn't quit at 9,999. I don't know about you, but 9,999 is a big number. Whether you say 9,999, or you say 9,999, It's still a big number, whether you say it fast, whether you say it slow. That's a long time of persistence. And that's what I get out of Hannah's life. It's persistence. I don't know your situation and circumstance this morning. I don't know how many times you've gone for a job interview. I don't know how many times you've sat the exam for your L's. I don't know how many times you've tried again and again to conceive. I don't know how many times you tried medicine. I don't know how many times. What I do know is imagine if Hannah hadn't have been there on that day for Eli to have seen her to say, go, what you requested will be done for you. I don't want to miss my go, what you have requested will be done for you moment. And I want to encourage you this morning, doesn't matter in a sense what's happening to you, what the things that you can't control, we have no control over. What we do have control over is will we be persistent to do it again? Will we be persistent to be there for our go? What is being done for you has been granted. Hannah was not only pleasant, she was persistent. And thirdly, she was prayerful. It says in verse 10, in her deep, verse 10, verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Hannah understood she couldn't change her situation. There was nothing she could do about the physical need of conception. It was totally out of her control. She couldn't do anything medically. She couldn't do anything to change it. She couldn't do anything to make God move His hands. She did the only thing that was capable of doing and that was to pray and seek God. And I want to encourage you this morning, whatever it is and the situation in which you find yourself, won't you seek God? I love the fact that we get to celebrate for Hannah she got the breakthrough in her circumstance and situation. For Hannah, she actually got her prayers answered. And I can't guarantee you that your prayers will be answered. I can't guarantee you that what you're seeking for will happen. That is between God Himself. He will decide. I know that your prayer has to be in accordance with His will and His ways for you. But it's not like it's a magic wand that He can just come and do that. And we have this shopping list of God, come and grant me this. So I can't guarantee that. I can celebrate with Hannah because she received, but I tell you what I can guarantee you. God might not give you what you want, but He 100% absolutely confidently gives you everything you need. And so whatever situation you might find yourself in and you're saying, God, I want healing in this situation. I want breakthrough in this situation. We can't guarantee that. But you know what God says? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, my peace I leave with you. He says, my joy is yours. Whatever you need for the situation in which you find, God has lovingly extended it 
to you. And so we need to be like Hannah, who's just anguished before God and saying, Lord, come help me. I can't tell you how much during that time last year, just on my knees to God saying, Lord, I don't know. At one stage, the first week of Tony being in hospital, they had no idea what was happening got to the point where they were saying to us, honestly, Mrs Rainbow, you need to be prepared that this may not end the way you want it to end. And I can know, I just said, Lord, I can't control that. When I stood up here and I preached and I preached at the um, chapel service, it was like, I, I, I don't know what's happening. But God, I would like you to move. We prayed for him as a church. We had people praying all over the world. But I said, God, what I need from you is this. So you, I said, this is what I'm asking But more importantly, what I need is your grace. I need your strength and I need to feel your love and your joy and your peace. And that is what right now in this moment I need. And that's what God delivered for me. It's what God delivered for Hannah. And I want to encourage you, whatever your circumstance and situation, whether it's healing of a relationship, whether it's physical healing, whatever it is, You're praying, you continue to ask God, but why don't you, at the doing that, receive what it is He's freely giving you. Receive the grace that's yours. Receive the peace that's there. Receive the strength. So when things are out of control, what can we control? We can control um, being pleasant. We can control being persistent. We can be prayerful. And fourthly, we need to keep our promise. It says in verse 11, And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look at your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. I love the fact that Hannah kept her word. I mean, I don't... I, I don't know what possesses me to think that she, why she would say, well, if you give me the son, I'll give him back to you. But let's not judge Hannah because all of us have been in that situation. Hey, Lord, if you do this, I'll do that. And then we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you didn't answer that prayer because we would have had to come through on that. So it's not, that's a whole other um, conversation, a whole other story. But what I love is this is what she said. And then it goes on in verse 28 and says that then she came back to Shiloh, came back to the house of God and presented Samuel to the prophet Eli and left him there. She made good on her word. And we, we're talking about life being out of control. We're talking about things happening to me that I, I'm feeling like it's getting on top of me. We can't control that but we can control our words. We can control our vows. We can control what we promise. We can control what we say. And often I sit with parents and we're watching them and we're listening to them. We're trying to help them. And I found that the Bible says that do not exasperate your children, which another way of putting it is, you know what, when you say you're going to do something, do it. And often we're very rash with what we say, do this, and then we don't follow up. What I love about Hannah's example And what we learn from her life is what she said is what she did. She said, this is what I'm going to do, This, and then she followed through on it. And I remember in um, the first week of that hospital visit with Tony, he was so ill. In some of those tests they had to do, they were excruciating. I sat in there with him and they were awful. And with the pain that he was in, he just couldn't stand it. And he just said to me, he said, Kath, I am not doing another test. And because they were... Uh, just diagnosing this uh, abscess on his spine. They were fighting with what they'd thought on his brain. 
and they needed some answers to decide which way to go. And they kept saying, but Mr Rainbow, Mr Rainbow, you have to have this test, you have to have this test. And Tony looked at me and he said, Kath, I cannot do it. And everything inside me as a wife and a mother was like, you get your butt in there and have that test because I, we need you to be around. And in a conversation with him, he just said, I, I can't. So I had to go to God and say, Lord, I need the strength to be able to hear this. So I did my own little um, devotion with God and I sat with Tony and I said, Tony, if you can live with the potential of what they're telling me that you don't have this test, I'm Okay. And I said, now kids, we'll, we'll be okay. And it was cool. It was, a, it was a nice moment to say, okay. I said to the doctor, no, because they were saying, well, t- he doesn't have to give us authority, you can. And I just said, you know what? Everything inside me, can I be honest, everything inside me is like, I'm not going to be the submissive wife right now. I'm just going to say, you're doing it, and then just leave the hospital so I don't have to suffer the consequences of making you do it. But we had, I made a vow. I just said to him, if you can't do it, I'm not going to force you. And then I had to stand strong when the doctors, and I'm not having a go at doctors because they are doing their best and they know and they're wanting to help. But then you have to stand strong when the doctors come and say, no, but you don't understand. But that's what this could mean. Do you realise what's happening here? Do you understand that if you don't do this? And I just had to say, doctor, thank you. Had to remember the be pleasant. Doctor, thank you. I think I appreciate that. But we've made a stand. He cannot, he will not, so we won't. And I just had to hold on to that vow. And I want to encourage you. I don't know if you've entered into maybe a business agreement and your partner has not made good on his word. Or maybe you're here and you're walking through a divorce because your partner did not make good on their word and their vows. I just, I don't know what it is for you. What I do know is we need to be a people. If you want to have control over what you can have control over, have control over your promises. Have control over what it is you say because that's all you can have control over. Hannah was a great example of that. And then finally, I'm going to ask the band to come back on up before we go into our section of baby dedications. The last thing I learn from Hannah's example and the last thing I want to share with us about what we can have control over when we're feeling so out of control is that we need to be full of praise. Verse 28 says, So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. That is a picture of Hannah took Samuel to Eli. She left him there. And then what I love in Samuel chapter 2, the first couple of verses of Samuel chapter 2, it's, they've titled it Hannah's Prayer. She's just left, they, I think they say six years old is um, Samuel after he's been weaned. She's left her six-year-old promise. Remember, this is year after year after year after year after year. God hears her. She answers. She makes good on her vow. She leaves her six-year-old boy there. And this is what she says. She says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn, which is a word for strength, my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. When life is on top of you, when life is out of control and you're feeling it, what can you control? You can control your praise. Hannah could have been beating herself up saying, why? Why did I say that? Why didn't I say, I'll leave Penaniah? 
you know, I'll give you the other woman. She could have said anything else. She said it. She made good on her vow rather than beating herself up, rather than getting angry at God. Well, you did this. You could have intervened. You could have said, no, Hannah, not. You could have released me. Her choice is to praise. Her choice is to say, God, you and you alone. God, you and you alone. And I remember being here 12 months ago on the stage. I remember the night before I was looking in my uh, journal uh, yesterday and I was writing there, the doctors are saying this, tomorrow morning, Tony, seven o'clock is being wheeled down. This is what's happening. They're going to start with his spine. They're going to move to his brain. Then they're going to fix his heart. And I wrote in there, Psalm 51, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So that when I could come this in the morning and be able to share the message, it was all about God, who am I but your daughter? Who am I but a servant of yours? There's no condition on my praise to you. There's no condition that as long as you meet my needs, as long as you rescue my husband, as long as you look after my kids, as long as you... There's a, who am I? I'm a servant of yours, a daughter of the King, and I choose this morning to praise you. And it's a situation that each and every one of us have control over. I don't know what's going on in your world. And I'm not judging, misjudging or belittling or minimising the pain in with which you're experiencing. Everybody walks through, through life with a measure of pain. All of us find ourselves in situations that are beyond our control, of which we had no control over, no reason, no desire, no thought, no, this is where it was going to be. But there are things all of us have control over and all of us can be pleasant. All of us can persevere. All of us can pray. All of us can keep our promise. And most importantly, all of us can be full of praise to this great God, this High King, this Lord of Lords. And so what I wanna do this morning, I'm gonna ask us all to stand. Like I've said many times, I don't know the situation and circumstance that's facing you. But I know the one who does know. Yeah. And I know He loves you and He cares for you. Yeah. And He wants to meet you where you're at. And what I love about Hannah, this is what is not recorded in the Bible, but it is said by historians. After she left Samuel at God's house, it's recorded that she went on and had five more children. And I want to remind us this morning and ask us, what is attached to your praise? What's coming? But it's on the back of praise. Hannah presented, she made good on her promise, presented her son and she praised God and five more children followed. I don't know your situation. I don't know your circumstance. But I know my God. And I know my God wants to meet you where you're at this morning. And I'm going to ask the band to sing. And I'm going to encourage you to step out in faith this morning. Lift your voice. Praise your God. And let's believe the breakthrough and the dreams and the things that He's got planned for us, the five sons that are coming off the back of your praise. Thanks, Elise. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.